Uh, wait, where are we going? Who are you? Wow, we saw, sir. Huh? Come again? Ooh, where? Now you will understand me, cyborg. We are on the internet. The what? It's the realm of losers. Realm of? I can understand you. I'm using machine translation. Wait, you can do that? Well, of course I can. I'm a weeaboo. It's part of the package. Honky dusky. No, child, I'm not. My name is Garganium, and I'm a podcaster. And you should know, you're here because your parents made a deal to sell your soul to me, so now you're mine! My parents seriously sold my soul to a podcaster? They would never. Actually, they totally would, huh? What's that? That is my Discord server. Mmm. Now what happens? What are you gonna do with me? Please, no groom. Please, young cyborg, won't you be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh. The structure's there. The details yeah. aren't. Just normal human high schooler gets uh, kidnapped. But actually, he wasn't kidnapped because his parents sold his soul to a demon, and now he's going so to demon it. high school. So it's human trafficking. Yeah, yeah. So, you did answer, I think, the, the concept of Welcome to Demon School, Arumakun. Mm -hmm. However, what is Welcome to Demon School, Arumakun? That's hard for me to answer. I don't know if I have the words to describe kind of what the show is um it almost kind of feels like the school parts of my hero yeah it almost like takes that and expands and like executes it really well and it's actually you know the like it, it just is sort of it becomes the setting of the show i would say you know what i mean yes it's i think conceptually pretty similar to my hero academia and uh, that it's a school setting, wide cast of characters. I think it trades out a little bit of the action for more comedy, but it does have some good action in it. Uh, you know, yeah, definitely. less is less is more sometimes. I think mm -hmm. if you get you know one really good action scene every other episode, eh, still nice. <laughs> so, welcome to Demon School Arubakun is about this human who ends up having to attend a demon school where he's the only human and he can't be found out. And it's also about him making friends with these demons. And I think kind of the, the way I see it, it's, I guess, foreshadowed more than anything, but I think it's building up to like a cultural change for the netherworld and that like a human, a human's outlook changes everything. Right. Because ba basically what you're saying is uh, he starts a friend group and they don't understand what that is. And then, you know, he includes more of his misfit class, right? Mm -hmm. And all the different characters of the misfit class start, you know, warming up to him, right? Yeah. And 
you know, I I just when I think when I say, sorry, I'm stumbling over myself. I got uh, tripped up because I, I didn't like that I started out by comparing it to my hero. Um, well, it's similar. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was going to say, it's similar to My Hero in that each of the characters has a unique... I actually said this on the sampler episode, I think, but each of the episodes had a unique... uh, Or each of the characters had a unique power, basically. Their magic. Right. They call it their bloodline magic. And it's not a huge focus as much as, like, it's the only power that uh, most of the characters in My Hero have. Is there one quirk? Right. But I do think it's enough to make each of the characters uh, easily unique. And I, you know, I can't think of a character in the show that I don't like. Um, They're all likable in their own ways, I feel. I think all the characters are extremely well developed, and I think they're each given enough time eventually, it seems like. Yeah. It, in season two, and then I've read all the manga, and I'm waiting for season three. You'll you'll see that each of the characters get their own little spotlight as it goes on, right? And it needs to explain them. And then it, I think it also each of those episodes is a spotlight a person. I think links back to their connection to the main character Aruma. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with what I was saying about like the. He's making friends instead of beating everyone into the pulp to rise to the top. He's making a friend group that's going to, like, push him to the top. Yeah, you know, I was telling Heidi the other night, I told you this, um, that I I felt like this show was, if a harem anime was, rather than being about um, the main character, like, collecting a bunch of beautiful waifus... Uh, instead, the main character is collecting a bunch of quality friendships. Maybe we should, you know, in the opening song, they talk about Nakama, which is, I think it's Japanese for friend. I'm going to check that real quick because it's friend or f- family or a friend group that's like a family. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Nakama is colleague, compatriot, friend, or comrade. Hell yeah. Um, uh, uh, the reason I thought of that is one, it kind of goes with what you're saying of building like a good group of friends. Yeah. And two, it made me think of One Piece, which talks about Nakama a lot. And uh, haven't seen One Piece yet, but maybe this is a push we need to watch it. Maybe. Oy vey. <laughs> Some fucking pirates making friends. But anyway, on the like subject of Aruma, uh. While we're talking about the the friend group, who do you think was your favorite friend of Aruma's? Fuck. Okay, so let me let me talk a little bit about what I love about the characters. Um, Asmodeus Alice is very confident um, and kind of he he oh he stays true to his virtues. I feel. Um, I think he always stays true to his virtues. Um, and even when, like, he gets annoyed with, um, with Clara, you never feel like he's being, like, too mean to her, you know? Uh, sometimes shows when they have that kind of, like, character dynamic, 
um, the person who's being annoyed is like really a fucking asshole, you know, to whoever's being annoying. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's kind of like just covered up by the fact of like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's fiction. It's I, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you get it. Uh, there, he just he feels nicer, I guess. There's a lot of times where I think the like a disagreement between like friends or like a couple in a relationship uh-huh. can look really abusive on like screen or like in a story. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is everyone wants maybe not everyone. I definitely want fiction to be over the top and larger than life and everything. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean I want to see, you know, Alice be mean to uh, Clara. So you're right. I, I, I think that's one of the really cool things. In fact, Alice kind of acts as like a, uh, or as, as coon, as he's called <laughs> is, uh, he sort of acts as like the, I'm trying to think of the term for it. Aruma is not very confident, and Alice acts as his confidence in a lot of ways. Yeah. He turns people away that, you know, Aruma wouldn't be interested in speaking to. And then there's the whole, like, gag character element of Aruma where he can't say no to people. Yeah. And so there's, like, just as an easy example, during the... Uh, What's the episode where they join a, a club or a battler and they're getting passed out all the flyers? Yeah, yeah, the battler trial. Right, and so because Aruma can't say no, he ends up with a pile of flyers, and then Alice Asmodeus says, let me take care of those for you, and he just burns them all, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. And, like, it's on its surface it might seem kind of like you know rude or something to aruma but it really is he can't it, like he's too nice to say no to these people but these aren't things he's interested in right yeah exactly it, i think that's kind of maybe highlighted in that episode more with uh omri and the the whole student council thing yeah he he's always like like okay you know we need to not barge in there and like we need to let have confidence in Iruma and let him like do his thing. Like just because he's keeping it a secret from us doesn't mean that you know we should just fucking go in there and make a fuss and you know whatever be angry. You know. Oh, that wasn't what I meant, but that is an excellent point because Alice is such a good friend for that. Yeah. Well, Dude, he's such a Chad. Say, he is a Chad, and he's uh. Oh, we'll get, we'll get to that later. He is a Chad, though. And uh, I was going to say, though, in the Battler episode in particular, where Omri wants him to join the student council, wants Aruma to join the student council. Oh, yeah. It's him avoiding, or seemingly, I guess, avoiding the question, right? Yeah. And he is afraid to answer Omri, but in the end, he's able to turn her down, and she accepts it and respects him for it, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's a little bit of cool character development, even though the Aruma can't say no thing is mostly just used as a gag, I guess. Right. It, it was cool seeing something like that because it was, he couldn't turn down, you know, the Babbler applications, and then he found somewhere he actually wanted to go, 
you know, he found the club he wanted to join, the battler he wanted to join, and he was able to tell Omri no because they're friends. Right. But I think it was pretty cool. But yeah, it definitely Alice like trying to stop uh, Clara from barging into the student council room was definitely a case of uh, being a great like respectful friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One that respects a room's privacy. I I think this. Gosh, I don't. I, I feel like I'm about to go off on a tangent. I know we're supposed to be talking about other characters. But I feel like this trans transitions really well into something I wanted to bring up later. Um, and is there a is there like a different word for a female mangaka, or is it just mangaka? I think it's mangaka. Okay, okay, just making sure. I didn't want to be disrespectful, but um, I think the mangaka like takes these common um, like anime and manga tropes and takes them to a better conclusion than they're usually taken to. Um, does that make sense? You're, you're expecting a certain conclusion that tends to be like the, the one you always see. And, and I don't want to just shit talk any random anime, so I won't name anyone. <laughs> but uh, when something is so cliche that you know it's coming, yeah, I think that can be useful. I don't always have to be surprised, but it is pleasant when I just get a you know little bit of differences here and there, like you say. Okay, so gosh, maybe maybe we have to put this in the spoiler section. Maybe we don't, but I think a good example of this is when um, as as in Clara were having their like cooking competition when they're cooking for Iruma and when Iruma like put them both together and it's like they're both they're they're delicious they're more delicious together right um and so not only is that like a better answer than if he were to say um oh they're both great you know they're both tins you know it's a that's an even better answer and um because like that you'd expect from like more you know, a, a more careless use of this trope of, like, these two, like, rivaling off against each other, like the artist versus the fucking Ungabunga tribal warrior cooking circle, you know? Yes, I, I get what you mean, and I like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's literally a food metaphor for their friendship, right? It's not that either of you are better than the other one. Right. You know, and it's not just that you're equal, it's that you're actually better together i'm i'm so glad you brought that up yeah and and they have that little moment at the end where they're kind of like facing away from each other and going hmm and then they you know reach their fists around and do a fist bump and it's it's cute and it just makes you feel good i don't know man this show is just just big fucking dopamine all around (laughs) it's definitely uh if we asked uh, earlier, right, about what was Welcome to Demon School, right? Uh-huh. It's definitely a feel-good anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and- uh, it's kind of comfort food. I think there's a little bit of, like, cheesiness, and the first episode is a little bit cringy to me. Uh-huh. As far as, like, the early, like, 2000s anime cliches and tropes they kind of use. Yeah. 
but it's really good. It is. It's so good. And it's like, it's weird how, okay, so this is like the shallow side of me, right? When I see like a anime character for the first time, I have like these judgments of, of the, like the main characters, um, character design, their apparel and shit. Um, and so, you know, the first time I saw Iruma, I was like, you know, and I felt this way, like, about, like, Gone, too, and Hunter Hunter, but those, like, weird, like, slightly goofy, slightly, like, um, mediocre is not the right word, but just kind of, like, every man, I guess, in, in an anime world, um, so, like, not too distinct, you know, not too unique. Does that make sense to you? Like, can you see that about Gone, and can you see that about Aruma from, like, a surface level? I like that they... Are you talking about they look... Their designs are very uh, down-to-earth compared to the rest of the cast? Well, I mean, just in, like, a meta sense compared to other anime. Um, of, oh, like, you, they you mean feel... in comparison to, like, other similar types of anime protagonists. Oh, sorry, I thought you were yeah. talking about designs in universe for those two no no no. I'm, i mean like when you're just like if you were to just like compare main characters almost um as far as like character design goes and and their apparel and what they wear and you know their ha hairstyle and shit you know um and i again i fucking love a room i'm not trying to shit talk him but like uh, i guess can you see the kind of like the blandness about it okay i think i kind of get what you're saying because let, let's Let's split up anime protagonists into three broad groups for a moment. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it in my head after you, I figured out what you're talking about. Uh -huh. You've got all the way on the most bland side of the spectrum. You've got like the harem protagonists that are a 20-something, ambitionless, black-haired, <laughs> nice, uh, you know... Or in high school, right? I say 20-something. But between high school and 20-something. Yeah. Uh, guy, right? Yeah. And he will have no other distinctive features about him. Yeah. And then there's, on the far end of the spectrum, you have just, like, completely ridiculous, unique character designs. And just because I'm looking at the picture of... Uh, Nishi and Paru right now. I'm gonna say Lagoshi because he's not even human. But even if we're going to use like a human design, like Naruto is very uh, iconic. Yeah, he's iconic. He's got the headband. He's got the fucking weird jumper suit, and um, the he usually has like a kunai or or some shit on him. Or like if you were to go to like Full Metal Alchemist, then um, Ed's got his gloves with the. Wait, do Ed's... No, I don't think Ed's gloves have transmutation circles on them. But um, he's got that very distinctive long red coat with the fucking symbol on the back and um, his braided blonde hair with the fucking shit, the flare in the front, you know? Whatever. Um, or, or go to his brother Alphonse, who's just a fucking big walking suit of armor, a kind of crazily designed suit of armor. A, a unique-looking suit of armor amongst... A sea of, you know, fantasy shit, at least for us Westerners, you know? Yes, I get what you mean. And so I'm looking at uh, Aruma's design, like his normal school uniform design. Uh -huh. And I do think it's very concise. I don't know if that's the right term for something that's not 
uh, like writing verbiage. Yeah. But it's it's elegant. It, it's simple, but it's like it's minimalistic, right? It's not. No, yeah, uh, I I definitely agree. And so I what I think I felt like I was lacking was like some sort of um, some sort of draw. Right, because if if the draw to Naruto is like the headband in in the ninja weapons, and um, the <laughs> draw to Ed is like his alchemy, the draw to Guts is his giant sword, um, and and also like his fucking throwing knives and whatever else he has on his armor. Um, you, you get what I'm saying? So it's like Aruma didn't have any of that, and this is like a very action anime kind of uh, analysis, right? Um, like specifically Battle Shonen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so with me going into it with like that mindset, which yeah, maybe it was a mistake, whatever. Um, it it just felt like, oh man, am I? How am I gonna get sucked into this character? And this was before I knew anything about the show. Um, and kind of same with like Hunter Hunter, right? Um. And Hunter Hunter is definitely more of a battle shonen, I think. Um, Aruma is very low on the end of number of battles, but I do think it does have a lot of similarities to something like. Uh, have you seen uh, what's the English word? It, Food Wars, Shokugeki Soma, I think. Do you know what uh, I'm talking about? Vaguely, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll just go ahead and explain the basic premise. Uh, it's a cooking anime, but it's done in the style of battle anime as like over the top animation and like crazy cooking specialists and tournament arcs and things like that. Right. And I think that that's something Aruma manages to capture with like the dodgeball. And then what is the uh, the other event in season one, the battler uh, like school festival thing? Yeah. And then later, I won't get too far into it, but they do do other things that are structured like a tournament, but aren't about fighting. Shit, okay, so what were we just talking about? Uh, what was I just... Oh, character design, character design. Yes, I was going to say specifically, Arum the thing that stuck out to me for Aruma's design is the hair, and I don't think it's something that comes into play immediately. Yeah. But his hair has the expressive ahoge, oh. the little antenna. Yeah. The character design really grew on me fast. And they do so many cool things, like in the dodgeball episode when he like ties his hair into that ponytail. Uh, he looks fucking awesome, right? He takes off his coat, and he's just got the, like, white shirt on or whatever, like, he looks so cool, um, and I definitely don't want to fuck him, um, and, <laughs> you know, and then he has, like, other moments when his hair changes, you know, and it's like, it, but it also kind of made me f remember, like, in high school, where I felt like most of my days, I just looked, like, kind of okay, right, and then some days I'd look, like, really good, you know, and, you know, I'd have some shit days or whatever, but, um, yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of, so it, like, a, a lot of moments in the show will remind me of, like, the good parts of my high school experience, which is hard to do, because I think my high school experience is pretty shit. 
Yeah, uh, but yeah, I get what you mean. It, it, most people don't look great every day, and I like that his design can kind of change. Yeah, not not saying that he doesn't look great, because again, I think overall his character design is is great now. Like now, I think this. I just didn't before, but before I like even watched episode one, we're talking about here, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I do really like his hair. I think that's his unique personality trait. And I just always love when the hair antenna is kind of expressive. Yeah. Um, his personality is definitely the most distinct thing about him. Yeah, you for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another thing, right? Is like, um, don't you think that like when you meet someone in real life and you think like, oh, they're, you know, average looking. Um, and then you get to know them and you, they're like more beautiful in their, in your eyes. And I'm not just talking about the opposite sex. I'm talking about the same sex too, man. You know, sometimes your friends are just like, man, I I love them. They're a good looking motherfucker. You know, I get what you mean because you associate that person's like face with good things. Yeah. I I think that's a, just, you know, fondness, just you know, as you get to know people, you just like them more, you know? I mean, yeah, but I like, I think if you were to, like, ask me to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10 of attractiveness, they would have, like, moved up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get what you mean, but it, it's definitely a... Uh, I mean, attractiveness I mean, is just personal preference anyway, so... No, no, I agree with you. Uh, it's a subjective thing regardless. Um, yes. I do agree with you. Dude, I think you can, like, legitimately personal preference yourself into like a kink i'm i'm not saying <laughs> not saying i've done it <laughs> but how would i know um we could watch monogatari and uh just <laughs> it's like a kink for episode almost okay well i'm going off on another tangent because this bitch loves cowboys <sighs> opera Ooh. <sighs> Ooh. But yeah, opera is just like a a more s- a silent confidence compared to like a, a Asmodeus confidence. Even it, not that Asmodeus is you know like loud and bombastic as like Sabro. You know what I mean? But the difference is Alice Asmodeus is a. I mean, he's he's literally in the show like nobility, basically, right? Yeah. He's from an important demon family. And so I was going to say, like, a noble or something. He's a uh, kind of flamboyant, and you could say, like, he's got, in D&D terms, he's got a lot of charisma, and he's got a lot of other stats, right? Yeah, it's the it's the charismatic um, confidence. And Opera is charismatic, but in a subtle, yeah. not loud way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as you said, it's mostly the confidence. And one one of my favorite things about opera is how little they have to say to get across, like, character and emotion and everything, right? Yeah, it's so apparent in, like, their body language and their facial expressions and their, um, like, tone of voice and stuff, you know? And context i think a lot matters yeah right? absolutely because it, it it literally starts the first episode and opera like doesn't want aruma around yeah 
and the the dodgeball episode, which is pretty early on, I would say it's the first big moment in the anime. I think it's season. I, I think it's the mid season thing. Yeah. Um. That's when you get opera's sort of development, and they actually do explain one of the body language things, which is the position of their cat ears. Yeah. And I think it's a cool thing because you point that out, and then people start watching for other things, and you can watch normal human body language in the way that opera's standing or looks at a room while speaking and things like that, right? You know what's so fucking crazy? I just realized, because I was going to say at some point that uh, I felt like he was happier, but I didn't know why. Um, you know, like, after that point, like, his his character just, like, felt happier to me. Um, and it, it was totally the fucking ears. Because um. <laughs> he doesn't smile at all or a lot. Yeah. I, I'm not 100%. Opera doesn't smile a lot, at least. Yeah. And it's very stoic. And it's because it, they're a, you know, they're supposed to be like the butler, guard dog type character. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a strong, silent type. But it's cool because you get like the stern facial expression and then you see their ears up. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think, uh, th- this is sort of a tangent, but it's sort of not. Why do you think Sullivan and Opera work together? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I think they share a commonality in that um, they both take their ambitions very seriously. So even, like, you know, amidst Sullivan's, like, constant goofiness and lightheartedness um and at least in you know like most of the early parts of season one um there's still like moments where he's like i'm gonna you know do my shit and i'm gonna do my shit right you know i don't know so i think they're they're similar in that way okay um so do you think it has to do i would say sullivan being the leader of his school and season one talks about the other two of the three grades, right? Right. Yeah, okay, I'm remembering that correctly. And they, I guess that's the season two thing. They do each have their own school, though. Oh, I'll get into okay. it further than that. But they each have, like, a demon school of their own. Okay. And they each, like, push for a different, like, virtue. And I feel like Sullivan's virtue is, like, told through Aruma of, like, being nice and cooperative and working together to be stronger than the individual parts. We got back to the... That's such a good ending episode, actually, isn't it? It is. And, dude, okay, wait. So since we just touched upon that Indian episode real quick, um, I was also going to say the manga does a really good job of um, rather than having two big personalities clash and display their worst traits, which I feel like is a common thing for shows to do. Um, She has them clash and display their best traits, and maybe their worst traits in a more palatable way. But do you agree with that? Yes, I I think the easy example is when Sabno, who is more of like the 
Vegeta Bakugo rival type character to Aruma, mm-hmm. uh, but ends up having more of like an actual intense rivalry with uh, Alice's Modius. Yeah, and their different uh, their different approaches to strength are, I think, both their their strongest points. I think. Yes, absolutely. I also really like, uh, as kind of a jumping board off of that, uh, Valak and uh, Sabna's uh, relationship. Relationship, yeah. They're, like, they're pleasantly friendly. I I like it because it doesn't seem like something that Sabna would put up with, but then there is, I don't... I don't know if they completely... Think about his little sister. It. His little sister, yes. He so has a little sister. And so that... Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the Aku Idol episode. Okay. Right? Is that right? Um, or she the Battler showed... family episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. When their family okay. comes to visit them for their Battler groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yes. Yes, that. Yeah. I think Valak is sort of... She seems kind of like loud and too energetic, but yeah. I think the characters that can put up with that the most are the characters that uh, are uh, loud and energetic. Sabno. Yeah, and ha- uh, true, Sabno is, and Aruma is. Now, has season one talked about the fact that Alice has little sisters yet? I don't think so. I, I think they only mentioned uh, the mother. Okay, yeah, they showed the mother. Absent. Oh, they showed her? I was going to yeah. say she's absent during the 13th dinner, because I've seen that episode now that I think about it. Season one, I watched that last night. Yeah. Um, um, so, we'll talk about that, I guess, for the season two episode. We'll bring, I'll make note of bringing back the little sister comparison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll oh, do it again yeah. for season three, because they're going to introduce... Uh, Another one's little sister, at least to the school. I think she might show up in season two. Yes, yeah, she Bruh, does. Can we talk about waifus? Okay, yeah, let's let's get to waifus. Who's the waifu? It's hard, right? Because it's it's a tie for me right now, and maybe in season two it'll be like a three way or a four way tie. Who knows? But right now it's Clara. And it's Amaru. Or Amari, sorry. Okay, alright, alright. So, so it's a tie between Clara and Amari? Yeah. And for, you know, obviously dis- different reasons. They're very different personalities. But, man, I love the fucking manga reading scenes. When Aruma's fucking narrating. And, oh my gosh, doing the voice acting and stuff. I love those scenes. It's so cute. I love that she's all, like, she's that trait that or that trope of of the um the fucking student council president i mean that's always what it is isn't it? it's the student council president of like like way too uptight but she doesn't feel uptight she feels like she's walking tall but she's also making sure that she deserves to walk tall does that make sense yes Absolutely. I I didn't like Omri at first until like season two, but definitely like rewatching it with the appreciation for her. Uh-huh. I think I just was unfair to her. And I definitely think that's her strong element is that she is not haughty. She yeah. knows 
like she carries herself with what she's worth, I guess. Yeah, and and she's not like um she she's she's not a bitch, right? That's that's the real that's the real kicker, I think. She's um, stern, but she's is like nice and jovial to all the the characters. Yeah. She's, you know, she's not like mean. Um but yeah. So so she's fucking awesome and she's cute as hell with her like secret love for manga, you know. Um I I just I love it. And then when she went to the concert and uh she was like, "Oh, I'm glad I bought these glow sticks cuz they're obviously very essential." You know? It's like <laughs> dude that's so cute. I, I, it's, I, I love her. She's so great. And then for Clara, it's like she always wants to play, and she has a great family relationship. Can we, can we get a fucking uh, what, what's a good thing for people to put in the chat? Like if we were on a Twitch chat, you know, if something bad happens, put F in the chat. But what's, what's the good version? <laughs> put a, a W in the chat. Can we get some, for that huge some dub? Pog champs in some the chat champs. for fucking like good family relationships, right? And in a it, that as like a trait in a girl, like that's a keeper. She's got a good relationship with her family. That's a keeper, man. Um, I, I definitely think too much fiction will chicken out on uh, like developing a character's family. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, having read the manga and like having gone through like each of the different like intro, because it's season one, you don't get the chance to meet each of the misfit class, right? Yeah. But having seen it all now, and kind of as an example, like Clara's family, uh-huh. you get to meet, I think, at least one family member for most of the misfit class. Yeah. And I like being able to see that dynamic because I think it's something that just, like I said, they chicken out of, writers will. Yeah, and, and they use it to like make you like both the character and their family member more, you know? Um, I, I just, I love that shit. It's, it's so great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to kneecap myself real quick. So uh, just to, to rewind, I'm not saying... That if you've got a bad family relationship, then you're not like a keeper. Because listen, I have a bad family relationship with, with some people. You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, yeah, don't don't fucking yeah. You're you're beautiful. I love you. Okay. Um, Cyborg, what is what is kneecapping? Kneecapping is like when you say something and you're like. Well, I mean, I didn't really mean that, you know, um, but yeah, like that, that's kneecapping. Does that make sense? Okay, yes, you're taking out, like, the the foundation of what you had just said. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I kind of understood it from context, but I wanted to make sure that that was what you were saying, because I was like, what? okay. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Uh, waifu for season one. It's for me. It's a room in a dress. It's a room in a dress. Goddamn. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Also, also, Clara just wants to have a good time and have fun. She's down for like slumber parties and pillow fights and shit. She's just 
cool, okay? She's cool, and I love her. I do Sorry. like Clara, but she's not waifu material. <laughs> Fuck you. Also, have you seen <laughs> those thighs? That is true. She's got fucking thunder <laughs> thighs from all that running around. Yes, those thighs. Oh, oh my god. No, she's built for friendship. <laughs> Crush me, mommy. <laughs> Actually, um, y you know, the, my first watch through, uh, the waifu I liked the most was the girl that Ruma <laughs> saved in episode one and then just became a gag character of, oh, if I, I get to be close to a Ruma and join the clubbies in and all that. I forgot I that was her origin. I forgot that was her fucking origin. Because, like, I vaguely remembered something happening to make her like Uruma, but I forgot that fucking happened. Holy shit. Uh, it, yeah, though, the, damn, the worst thing is, she has one of, like, the only confusing designs for me in the show. Yeah. And I'll see the other blonde I know. Yep, chick. I know exactly what you're talking about, with slightly different horns. Yeah, slightly different horns with slightly different face. Uh, damn, what is her name? I wonder if they'll give her background. Because, I mean, I like her, you know. She's cool. So, she's in a lot of the, like, post-episode things, and then in the manga, she's in a lot of the, uh, I don't know if it's end of chapter or end of volume that'll have a couple, uh, like, two or three gag, yeah, uh, like, four coma things. And, and you notice, okay, so, that's a trope, right? Like, the fucking fangirl? Right. Whatever. Aika, but that's her name. She doesn't, like, she's not disrespectful. She's not, like, too stalkery. She's not, you know, any of these things are, are really, like, you don't feel like she's a fucking psychopath, you know? Um, it's just, like, pleasant, you know? And jovial and not, you know, it's not fucking, I don't know, yeah. You get what I mean? Yes, did you, the little end of episode thing, uh, I had to check it was in season one, where, have you seen the one where Omri also saves Aiko and she develops a crush on her? Yeah! So what I like about that is instead of like it being, she hates Omri because Omri is close to Iruma, she just likes them both because they're both cool. Yeah. I don't know. It just it, it feels like the mangaka just respects and loves all of her characters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a like r really hateable character for me. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, oh, you want to talk about Caligo in opera? Hold on, before. Uh, I wanted to go for one more waifu. Okay, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. The, uh... The botany teacher, uh, Susie Stolis. In the, in the dub where she's yes. the cat... I guess she's... Her horns... Or no, her hair kind of looks like cat ears, but she has, like, elf ears. But she goes, yes! <laughs> yeah, what's her last name? Uh, Stolas. S-T-O-L-A-S. What demon is that, actually? Dude... Uh, she looks. She acts like an Animal Crossing character, doesn't she? I love her. She's so cute. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I like an Animal Crossing character. That's perfect. Yeah, dude, doesn't she? And fucking, oh my gosh, I just, I Googled her name to see her because I, I thought it's who I thought it was. But um, on Google Images, uh, like one of the first results is her with fucking like stony red eyes. And oh my god. <laughs> okay. All right, it's a triple tie, man. It's a triple tie. <sighs> She's really doing it for me. You think she grows that good good? Yeah! She's a fucking botany expert! She just grows that demon kush, man. That demon kush! Okay, so Stolas is a great prince of hell, commands 26 legions of demons. He teaches astronomy and is knowledgeable about herbs, plants, and precious stones. He is often depicted as a precious stones, I don't know. Or a crowned owl with long legs. I don't know if I can be doing rocks now. <laughs> I don't know about that, fam. No, but she's great. She is great. Uh, yeah, so Caligo and Opera, which uh, I thought about while we were talking about how Sol I think Sullivan and Opera might might have similar um, like belief and teaching styles. Uh-huh. Like, as a reason for them to get along. Because that was kind of why I asked that question, is I was like, you know, what what do you think character-wise is, you know, why they're allied together, right? Yeah. And I think the the other part of that is, like, uh, if there's a triangle in Season 1, it's Opera, Sullivan, and Caligo. Uh-huh. As, like, the important adult characters. And uh, do you get a lot of Caligo and Opera in Season 1? Sorry, I keep asking stuff like that. I just don't want to make sure I talk about season two. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I don't think so. I don't remember a lot of interacting between the two of them. Okay, we'll save that for season two then. <laughs> uh, it'll be an interesting return to the opera and Sullivan connection. Is kind of ex so that that's something uh, I'll kind of come back to though. Is you were talking about how when you introduce one of the family members, you make the person like the family member and the original character more right yeah and so when you when you do something right that's a very vague statement what i mean by that is when you do character development right mm -hmm. it can be done with other things right yeah you don't have to only do character development it's character development comes from everything right yeah like we talked about opera's body language but i, I think the one of the cool things that I really like about Aruma as a show, not Aruma the character, but Aruma the character too, I guess, and you'll get what I mean in a second, is that giving each of the characters a chance to interact with each other is something that I don't think every fiction does, right? Yeah. I, I think uh, in games with like characters as like a more of a where character development is important in games, with like st story-heavy games, there can be times where you can, like, you know, have every character talk to every other character, like Fire Emblem or something. Right. I, even though I think Fire Emblem doesn't actually have unique dialogue for every character talking to each other. But anyway, um, but you when you butt the characters together, you get to see different uh, elements of their character, right? Yeah. If you never let the character leave a box then you never learn certain things about a character. Definitely. So 
I, I think that's something that's really nice whenever you have a lot of characters that interact with each other like that. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's definitely cases in fiction where I'm going to say again that writers are sort of scared of uh, like these two characters, it would be weird for them to interact, right? Or something. Yeah. And if you're scared of that, then that's not realistic because anyone could reasonably interact with anyone else to an extent in reality, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there's going to be some like kind of weird interactions there, but th- like that's that's stuff you have to flesh out. I think. I mean, may- maybe it's not important for the story; it doesn't matter. But I think it's an interesting way to make the character stronger. Yeah, I think to put like an image to what you're saying, um, it's like you're. You're coding the whole bowl, right? I'm sorry? Okay, maybe that only made sense to me <laughs> really high. I was thinking, like, if you're, like, coating a bowl with oil, or maybe like, you're, like, coating a, a baking sheet with oil. Okay, yeah, that's a better example. You're coating okay. a baking sheet with oil, right? Uh-huh. And instead of just, like, focusing on the middle, you're, well, you're spreading around, you're getting into little corners and creases and... Um, you know the weird spots so that like the entire baking sheet it has like a light layer of oil on it to protect it yes but it's character you cover you cover everything yeah you ice the entire cake then yeah then when you take (laughs) out the baked cake the the baked the developed character you're like oh wow that's a complete and beautiful cake and it's not like missing half the ass you know, like the bottom is still intact. It's, it doesn't look ugly on the fucking sides and shit. You know, it just all looks like beautiful and, and well done, you know, like by a professional. Yeah, but that's the character. That's the character you get when you like fully flesh it out. <laughs> by a professional writer? Yes, exactly. I'm, I don't even know this woman's name, but mwah, this shit, woo, this shit bustin'. Osamu Nishi. Osamu Nishi. What else has she done? Um, welcome to Helheim Hotel. Um, we are the main character, basically an Aruma Demon World spinoff that's not about Aruma. Okay. (laughs) And then, uh, I I showed you the two links to the two chapters of the Caligo and Opera side story. Yeah. That's pretty much it. She's a pretty new author but i mean it's pretty cool to talk about an author who's you know not done a lot dude she's fucking crushing it right i i don't know how you make such like a feel good you know work of art it's great i love it it's wonderful i fully recommend everyone fucking watch it okay so school uniform design with regards to Harvey's school uniform. Oh, right! We were talking about Aruba's design. <laughs> oh, I need oh. to get into that a little bit. Okay. Uh, it's, it's kind of more of a broader anime thing. But, uh, so we were talking about how Aruba's design feels very minimalistic. Uh, there wasn't a lot that caught your eye at first, right? Yeah. Now, I think 
he has like a really outrageous looking school uniform though. Yeah, it is. It almost kind of looks like uh, when I first saw it, I almost thought they were his pajamas. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. So what I was going to bring up is look at uh, the Haruhi Suzumiya school uniform, right? Okay, hold on. Alright. So it's it's evocative of, like, actual Japanese school uniforms, right? Yeah. But it's, I I think at least the, the female uh uniform is very over the top and iconic yeah 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 and then if you look at the male uniform it is very basic but in context it's recognizable i guess yeah it's not as recognizable but when you display it next to the female one it kind of it, it rides off its back and then identifies itself by um, by emphasizing the masculinity of its characters, of the male characters, I think. Okay. Or maybe I'm just really high and overanalyzing. No, 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 I like that. I, um, I definitely think it makes um, we're going really tangent here. It makes Itsuki definitely look more oh, what's the word? Masculine suave? Yeah. And I think uh, to kind of uh, – we'll, we'll bring it back around. Hold on. Uh, the movie alternate universe Haruhi with just a black uniform uh-huh. is more on par with their normal male school uniform, I think. Not that they match because they're not right. like color-wise, but like the the simplicity of the design, rather. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I think that's one that makes Haruhi look more suave, right? Yeah. It makes her look cooler rather than I think the normal uh, uniform is like cute. Yeah, and kind of higher. Yes, and now I'm going to bring it all the way back around. All right. I think there's a lot of similarities between Aruba's school uniform and like the female Haruhi school uniform. female okay wait, wait wait say this again because i so okay so aruma's school you know and everyone has like a different kind of design for their school uniform in aruma yeah. Yeah, but yeah. like specifically aruma suzuki's normal like blue school uniform yeah is similar i think in like themes and mood and like how it's supposed to feel to like haruhi's uniform like the one that suzumiya haruhi wears as a girl at her school. You just opened my eyes. <laughs> it makes so much sense. It does. Because the uniform feels like a little magical, right? Right. And also a little comfy. And I think you could say that by the end of season one, Aruma's life is comfy. Um you know, I mean, I don't know, some shit that happened. <laughs> but, you know, overall, like, it's, it's comfy. It's a little magical. And it's uh, also kind of what you expect. Well, um, it, it has some elements of what you expect from, like, a, a high school anime, you know? And, like, a normal one and a, uh, like, fantasy one. 
Yes, and I was going to say specifically his like collar. Yeah. Um, is evocative of like a cape. I feel like. Yeah. Because if he was wearing a cape, that's I I feel like the sort of collar that I see in a lot of the fantasy designs. Right. Or like a a a sorcerer's robes or something, right? Yeah. And it's. It's a, just a school uniform with a popped collar. Yeah. <laughs> but Damn, how's, how'd she do that? <laughs> it is cool. And then when uh, when it, when he takes it off and he has the just the white shirt on, it's even more like, at that point, it's such a change to his character when he pulls his hair back and everything that an even simpler design is cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is interesting. Oh, God, it's so good. What the fuck? And, you know, what's crazy is the other students who have, like, a similar uniform, but, like, their collar is, like, buttoned all the way up in the middle, you know? It looks right. completely different. It does. It looks more like the, uh, like the middle school normal Japanese school uniform. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about for the men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. With, like, the, the ones with the weird, like, turtleneck kind of collar. Yeah. I, I, I get what you mean. I, I like how each of the characters wear their uniform differently, because not all of them have, like, purely custom uniforms like uh, Alice Asmodeus does, right? Yeah. But each of them wear something a little different. There's some that just, like, don't really wear the uniform at all, like Sabno, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think there's something there as far as the... Uh, school uniforms that can be believable but have like all these little tiny subtle design elements that are evocative of the the genre for the magical fantasy world yeah and like you said look like pajamas in our company it's <laughs> great man dude i didn't so, realize how much i love his design until now so remember earlier when we were talking about friends faces uh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this that back up with the idea of the simple dodgeball episode uh, designed for Aruma where he has his hair tied back in a ponytail and he's wearing just his white shirt for a school uniform, right? Yeah, that is a very actually bland. Not not I don't know if bland is the right word. It's a extremely simple design, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's simple. So if you saw that in isolation, do you think it would be as powerful as seeing it as the moment that, like, Aruma's getting serious? Just, I, I, I don't know if yes or no is the correct response to how I feel, because I lost track of how the question was phrased. But okay, yes, <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Because what, what I'm saying is, you see, like, when we're talking about friends' faces, you see your friend, but yeah. then you know your friend for so many years that uh -huh. their face looks more attractive, right? Yeah. And that's association and context, right? Uh-huh. And the, the, just the white, white shirt and the ponytail isn't like a, like, I'm going to use the word evocative design again because it doesn't really feel like a lot. It's very a white t a white button down is basic, right? Right. Blue slacks look like jeans. 
And uh, but in the context of Aruma working hard, it's him taking off his coat, and I think he rolls up the sleeves. Yeah, I think so. And then he pulls his hair back, right? Yeah. And he's pulling his hair back to get it out of the way because he's working hard. And all of those things, at, like in context, are cooler. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a little thing that I thought about where we had talked about the friends faces earlier and I was thinking it, all the designs are great, but it was making use of, of a design that would have been boring. I think otherwise. Yeah. Or, or what about when, uh, they had their sleepover and Clara's pajamas made her look like a little fucking bedroom gnome. Like <laughs> just fucking going around smacking people with pillows and, you know, doing the, like, um, the two frame thing, you know, uh, or maybe not two frame, maybe more than two frame, but you know, the fucking unga bunga hit you over the head with a pillow thing. And, oh man, I love Clara. Oh fuck. <laughs> I think that's, it was that, um, I, when did they first show her family? Like a lot. I can't remember what episode. I guess that was around that same time. Cause that was the group battler the battler uh family whatever shit i think you get her once before when it's clara's doing the whole like uh succubus training arc oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that Damn. which that's also i think a really good uh yeah i say clara's built for friendship but you know what? that episode definitely does like earn her as like uh her affection towards Aruma, I think. Not that she Bro. has to earn it, but, like, the writers made it feel like a good relationship, right? Bro, it's... It's 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 the waifu material that will ever be... It's the most. <laughs> Are you just gonna watch season two now? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm gonna watch season two, but I'm just saying Clara is fucking the best. I love her. And I, I also love... Amory, but fuck, man. They're just... I don't know, man. I definitely think Clara's okay. better than Amory. <laughs> I really like... Uh, one thing I really like about her is... Uh, her design is her crocodile crocs. <laughs> it's, uh... And her little spiky teeth and, you know, her fucking oh, light you know green what? bangs. We, we talked about Bloodline Magic earlier as, like, the equivalent to a My Hero Academia quirk, and I don't think we ever talked about a, a Bloodline Magic, but her Bloodline Magic is pretty cool because it's just reproduction of objects she's seen. It's so cool! And they don't, like, they don't, they use it very wisely. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know, the, it's not, like, overused as a concept. Um, so that is to say they kind of use it sparingly, um, but when they do use it, it's, it's just, it's good. Like, you know, making, uh, Iruma the fucking pop idol costume. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, real well, oh, God. Real quick. I need to get some water cause I'm parched. Oh, hell yeah. I was going to say, I just ran out of both my drinks. <laughs> <sighs> But I was going to say season two, because we could just make next week's episode season two. Oh, wait. You don't have a wireless headset, do you? Ha ha ha.
What is ambition, Cyborg? What is ambition? That's a good question. Well, you know, I think in the show it's kind of displayed as like this journey, right? Um, and I think it's like beautifully put in that way because you ambition is something that you strive towards. Um, so when you're striving towards something, what does that mean? Well, like you're fucking working hard at it every day and kind of like sacrificing your free time and, and, uh, you know, but you, you feel really good about it. Hold on. And you feel good about improving yourself. Okay. Okay. I I wanted to word that better. You are investing your time. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're investing your time. And you feel good about it because, like, you're getting a great outcome. Right. It's, yeah, you, you can uh, spend your time, right? Yeah. You can, I don't want to use the word waste, but you can use it on something, right? Yeah. Or you can invest it in a future something, right? I think the ambition part is you have your goal and you have to... You do have to make your sacrifices to get there, but, you know, invest connotation-wise, I think, yeah. lends more to the end result being better. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, working towards a goal. Um, so they, they, they use that a lot as kind of the the biggest, like, characterization of demons versus humans, Yeah, I think, is that each of the characters have, like, a a desire and ambition and greed that's extremely powerful, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, like, kind of like what you said earlier, is I don't think it makes any of them really assholes. Yeah. Or like Sabno definitely could be a character. Sabro, Sabdoc. Uh, it's definitely a character that could come off as like a annoying uh, asshole character. I compared him to Bakugo because I hate Bakugo. Uh. He's just annoying. He's Vegeta, but not uh, interesting, I guess, to me. Yeah. I'm just shit-talking. They've only seen one and a half seasons of My Hero Academia, but I didn't like him. I didn't want to finish the show. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Sabdok is the... the Because his desire is to become Demon King. And it, it's kind of a generic desire, but I like how he's like a, a geek about it too. Yeah, I love that. It's an endearing quality. But and like, he joins the, like... the battler that is like all about <laughs> researching the Demon King's history and stuff. And he, yeah. you know, he does the lead role in the play and he like takes it really seriously. I love it. It's so good. That, one, one of the things I like the most about Sabro is that he like puts his... his heart into everything right yeah it's 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 not worth doing otherwise right? and he's and he's not mean uh it just it it just it makes them all likable you know what i mean <laughs> that's a definitely it would have been really easy to fall into him being like a bully yeah 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 exactly and so because he's not you can see him as a friend you know, you could be like, yeah, I could be friends with this guy. Like, he's got ambition, you know, he's serious about what he does, and, you know, he's pretty, like, positive to be around. Now, I have a I have a question related to that. Do you think Aruma is, like, corrupting 
all the demons he's around. Okay, so are you leaning into the, like, um, the old origin demons and, you know, how they act and then, like, the more civilized era now? Well, okay, so, yeah, so, um, I don't want to get too much into spoilers because I think there is some of that that's going to be explained later that I, I just won't get into. Yeah. I think that's mostly in season two. Um, but, like, right now, you could see Sabro... Do you think Sabro getting saved, like, fundamentally... Like, I, I think it would fundamentally change everyone, right? Yeah. Do you think that was the moment he became a great character, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, you hadn't had a lot of time with him yet. Uh-huh. But, like, just speculate, speculate a little bit with me here. Is Aruba, like, taking each of these characters and, like, bringing out the best of them, right? Yeah, maybe so. You know, and it almost felt like when they first introduced the, like, quote-unquote, like, thief character from the Misfits class, that they're portraying him in, like, a bad light for the first few times <sighs> they show up, right? Oh, my God. He's so cool in season two. I want to yeah. I mean, I haven't even seen season two yet, uh, but I already like him so much. He's so cool, right? Um, yeah, so I get what you mean. I think that's it, another one of those things where a thief character is really easy to make an asshole, even when people try to make thief characters likable. Yeah. And I, I think uh, they, they make him very charming. Yeah. Very Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, and the fucking the kid who plays too much video games. Oh, I love him. He's great. And the fact that he joined the fucking video game battler, and he's like, "I'm gonna learn new strategies." I was like, "Yeah, yes." <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Lee's a great character. He gets a lot of focus uh, in season two. Hell yeah. He's like one of. Uh, he ends up being one of Aruma's partners in like one of the tournaments. Fuck yeah. So yeah, it's probably the. I, that that's I always liked him because he was the gamer, but yeah, then I watched that and I was like, oh no, I like him because he his character is cool. Yeah. Oh, oh man, I, I want to talk you into reading the manga. Oh dude, you don't even have to fucking talk me into it. I already have it downloaded. <laughs> oh hell yeah! I, was I, thinking I love this goddamn show. One one of my favorite things is like the little uh, the little ending for coma things for the the little gags at the uh-huh. end of the volumes or chapters. But also, I was thinking of little things at the end of the volumes where it'll like uh, be pointing out like a certain character design thing or like a, a beta character design thing because I yeah. think at the end of one of the volumes it talks about like uh, originally. Cl- Clara and Alice's hair colors were reversed, I think. Uh-huh. I think that's in one of the... It might have just been something I saw on Twitter or something, but I'm pretty sure it's at the end of one of the volumes. And it's, it's little notes like that, at least, I, that I really love when I'm reading manga. <laughs> okay. I have to go out on a crazy limb branch here, okay? And, okay. and you're just going to have to trust me. That there's something on the other side. (laughs) Are you ready, baby boy? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Dragon Quest XI, you played it, right? Yeah. Think about the interaction between the characters. 
and like how characters that you originally find are like kind of assholes and stuff. So, don't you think there's a similarity between like if you if you are the type of person who really enjoyed Dragon Quest Eleven and its story and its character interactions, then you will love Arumakun. Do you think that is fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, and I think maybe uh, just because when you said that, I thought of it, a uh, similar one for me was the uh, Persona games. Yeah. Another, like, friendship-focused game, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarities there. I, I agree with you. I like that. And uh, it's like, and you get to see the characters develop, right? Yeah, and so I'm just saying, that's how we hook Skyler. <laughs> what does that motherfucker love, right? That motherfucker <laughs> loves Dragon Quest, and that motherfucker loves Persona. He loves my hero, too! That's true! Since frickin' he's got his De Deku uh, display pick on Discord. That's it, that's what we tell him. We say, alright, Rukun is a mix between my hero. Oh man, this episode's gonna need a lot more editing, but you know what? It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be so good. It's it's a <laughs> it's a gold mine. I think what I'm gonna do is like just because we kind of like trail off and then have a really good conversation. Yeah, and I'm gonna take it and then I'm gonna you know just cut it with the noise. Once it kind of trails off, yeah, and then just oh. kick back up. My fucking god! Ow, 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 ow. Okay, but not just because pain, because a cat just hooked its claw into me. Also, oh, oh my god! Um, one of my favorite podcasts ever, Sleepy Cast. They do this thing where they're like, they make it sound like they're in a cabin, basically talking. Um, and so it's not with like constant noise. I mean, there there might be like a light, like just like sound filter, of, to make it I guess sound like it, they're talking in a, a certain size room or something. But besides that, there's not like you know it's it's not like cheesy with it. It's not like a fucking creaky door, you know, every once in a while or anything like that. But it's just like when they introduce um, the episode, um, you know, they have like this little introductory speech from like a narrator like, closing in on the cabin. You can kind of see it in your mind, like a cartoon, you know, zooming in on a cabin. Um, and then they'll, like, occasionally do... Um, I, f I feel like they've done, maybe they haven't, but, like, a, a cutaway, you know, sounds a certain way, and then when you, you know, come back, there's, like, another sound. And I feel like this is a common editing practice with, like, different talk shows or... or podcasts and stuff so yeah maybe we can figure out some way to work something like that in to the episode uh, yes because i i so the ones that basically aren't getting released i had played with uh haruhi saying sos dio uh -huh. as the sound effect i was using to punctuate things yeah and uh i, I have that one in my project folder for this and I definitely, I'm going to take some samples from Lil Marika's songs and try them for this episode. Wait, I'll probably wait, wait. take, huh? The fucking transition sound in Arumakun. Oh, that would be a good one. 
You know that one? Yeah. Dude. Beautiful. Dude, just do that. Maybe you could, like, I don't know, put, like, a filter on it and fucking uh, just play, like, a... I I don't know. I I don't know if it's too long is is what I'm afraid of. Um, But still, that would be so good. To, like, connect our our just... Yeah, when I cut off... Like, when I cut you off and I was like, uh, so school uniform design, you know? (laughs) Aroma transition noises, yes! Aroma transition noises. Okay, okay, okay. Got another topic for you. Okay. Don't you kind of feel like Aruma earns his power... Even if it's after the fact. Like, Arn says, like, you know, ring and, and that kind of stuff. The power from the ring. I, I definitely think one of the things I was going to uh, wanted to mention is that Aruma has a lot of similarities, I think, with, like, it is an isekai in a way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Where the isekai main character is just stupidly overpowered. But I think the, the one thing that I think it really comes up as, and I won't even really even spoil it is uh his familiar yeah but it's played as a joke spoilers for season one of a welcome to demon school arumakun ahead well but then also you know the thing happens <laughs> you know with the uh right <laughs> school shooter bleep that out with whatever <laughs> you want <laughs> Hold on, I need you to imagine something for me. Yeah. You, we get one of the, uh, like, the the Fox News, uh, the banners, or whatever they are, right? You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Where yeah. it's like, like, breaking news. And we grab a, a, the, the breaking news thing for a shooting, and obviously we change the from a real shooting, right? And we make it not recognizable, obviously. Yeah. We don't want anyone getting mad at us, but we make it the... The demon school shooter, and we have a picture of Kirio. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my oh, god! In season two, he's in uh, he's in prison, and he has the the black and white stripes on. Holy shit! <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so to talk about him more, um, I feel like when. Kirio explained himself to Iruma, like, was, like, explaining his, like, oh, it's a big evil plan. You know what I mean? Um, it was because they are friends. He explained himself to Iruma because they're friends, not because, like, oh, the villain needed to explain themselves, you know, so that the audience would understand. You know yes. what I mean? Yes, the, the entire point was that he had connected with Aruba over yeah. the the shared lack of magic, right? That was their, their connection point. Yeah, and then they, like, noticed other, like, subtle similarities between, like, their personalities and their history, you know, their parents and all that shit. And they connected. Right. And, I, yeah, because fucking, you better believe Kirio thinks of Aruma as a good friend even now, I think. <laughs> Wait till season two. <laughs> I I I mean, obviously, like he wants to like play with him, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, he like he wants to do that because he's a friend, even if his version of like playing and being friends is kind of fucked up, right? But yeah, I think the reason it's fucked up is because he would accept 
those things on himself, right? Yeah, he yeah. Little self worth. They like that pain that the his own degradation is exciting for him, right? Yeah, because if it wasn't, then he would be well, one a lot less likable character. I don't know how you make a school shooter likable, but. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they fucking kind of pulled it off, sort of. I mean, like he's not like you know. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't want to be friends with him, but you know, <laughs> he's very hot too. God damn! When he swoops his hair back, I was gonna say when he fucking slicks his hair back, and, and you can't call me daddy. And he, yeah, he you can't see this the little small ass bitch horn. Oh, and he only just has that one horn. It's like, ooh, cream my jeans. But yeah, <laughs> um, I love that Iruma's motivation grows. You know, think about the start of the show when he's just trying to not get eaten. Like, oh god, I hope they don't find out if they're gonna fucking eat me, dude. And now he's fucking, he's thriving, dude. Okay, he's fucking thriving. And his motivation grows. Now I, I fucking... definitely appreciate that his motivation grows, and I think I like seeing a protagonist that actually has like a natural internal, motivation, internal motivation, right? Yeah, because you make your own <clears throat> motivation to some extent. I think it's it's really easy for like the villain to kidnap your little sister, right? Yeah, and there be an external reason that you have to life or death situation have things happen, and there's characters that can be in those scenarios and still have internal motivations that are like enjoyable. Yeah, it's like if, if I just quick tangent enjoyable thing about Star Wars, at least the original trilogy, is Luke's like wanting to save his father, right? Yeah, redemption is like a eternal thing that I don't think he had to do. I think. Well, I don't know. I think Luke could have killed Vader and killed Sidious, right? Yeah. It would have been a uh, close fight, but I think it was possible. Yeah, I, th I think um, maybe... <clears throat> I think it's possible under the right conditions that I'm not sure of right now because I'm high, but yeah. Well, it's like, okay, so uh, th this is super tangent and power-level bullshit, but uh, it's like Luke was going to beat Vader. I'm convinced of that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Luke doesn't have any of the weaknesses that Sidious put in Vader. Oh, that's true. Luke would whip Darsidious's ass <laughs> stupid, and we could talk about this with Pickles later, too. Yeah, I, you've I convinced me. You've convinced <laughs> me, honestly. But yeah, I like that Aruba has an internal motivation that like, comes from logical growth right uh-huh like you said it, it makes sense why he has the motivation and it's an internal thing that's about his own character it's not him being forced into a situation yeah um okay so are you were you done with all you, the points you wanted to hit yeah okay i wanted to hit one last thing that i wanted recorded which was that uh billy Kamitz who was the, uh, I had mentioned a voice actor had died uh, from the cast of Arumakun. Uh -huh. 
And it was Billy Kamitz. He was the voice of Alice Asmodeus. Um, he's an excellent voice actor. If I, I like, highly suggest if you liked him in anything else, watch Aruma as like just respect for his skill. I really like the dub. I watched it dubbed first time, and I wa- I watched it through the like three fourths of the first season subbed this time to like refresh it in my mind. But the both both of the both of the voice acting teams are beautiful. They're great at their jobs. But Alice Bodius and Clara or Clara and Aruma, like the main three for the English dub voices, are definitely extremely talented. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just to say, Billy Kamitz was. I'm gonna list off a couple th- roles he's done. Oh, he was fucking Gallo. Oh yeah, he's Gallo in uh Romare. <laughs> Who the fuck is Rin? Is that a new character in Pokemon? Or am I just stupid? Rin? Rin. Pokemon Rin. I have no idea. Oh, he's Maruki in Persona 5 Royal. Oh. The the psychologist. Yes, that's what I was trying to think of. Ha. Ah. He's uh Rui and Demon Slayer. He's Rui and Demon. Who's Rui? I might be pronouncing Rui. that wrong. R U I. It's the uh. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, the Spider Demon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I like Demon Slayer, and I want to do an episode on it, but I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of nervous of fucking people shitting on me for how much I enjoy Demon Slayer. Uh... Yeah, we should definitely go through it. We should do it, and I go over... Uh, we should do it as part of a series of uh, UFO Table, I think. Okay, yeah. Absolutely um, cool. Man, what you say? when we were doing the intro skit, I feel like oh, we're going to do an ending skit, too. Or like, well, just like a little ending something. I can't remember. So what do you want to do next week? I really want to do Aruma Season 2! Alright, let's do it. Hell yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on fire for Aruma now. It's so good. And we, we, can, we can talk about other stuff too for season two, since I feel like we kind of covered uh, like a lot of Aruma for season one. Yeah. We could do like half an episode to season two and then talk about, you know, just bullshit or something yeah. that's related. Because we, we have a lot of tangents. We could go on more tangents. That's true. God damn, that was a great one. I, I felt good. I felt good about that one, yeah. <sighs> and season three of Iruma is in November. Fuck yeah. Ended on that. 